Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, gentlemen, we are finally back here in the radio room at Lake Orion High School for the very first episode of the third season of Sweet Seats, the podcast currently being produced and created by the sports broadcasting class here at LOHS. Man, Zai, this is starting to feel a little, a little nostalgic for me, being my third year here in the SBC class. It's almost like my former season two self in Fortnite back in the day landing at Junk Junction. I mean, I mean, it's just pure nostalgia, It's, it's great. It's great for you guys, great for all of us. And hopefully you can all hear us today on anywhere where podcasts are being heard from Spotify to SoundCloud. We welcome any listeners and thank anyone for tuning in today. Anyways, my name is Ben Shadel, and, and today on this cold November morning, I am, being, I am being joined here by one of my partners, Zachary Hayes, on the audio board where he controls whether we all speak or not. He holds a lot of power in his hands. I'm also joined by Mr. Ryan Bunn and the host of another special podcast. First episode came out just yesterday, Tyler T. Rat Ratliff. Boys, how are we feeling today? How are we Fantastic. doing? Fantastic. We are doing We're great. Good. We're feeling good. Great. Awesome. We're good. We're good. It's Anyways. So as we get started today and this season of Sweet Seeds, I want to ask a very simple question to all of you. With it now being November 9th at approximately 9.50 a.m. in the morning, is it an absurd thing for any of us to listen to Christmas music? Absolutely not. No, I, that's I've what done I was doing already. on the it's way exact, to school. It's exactly what I was supposed to be. I was listening Do to Christmas Do they know music? it's Christmas on the way to school? Oh, my, I would, I was a little bit of Kelly Clarkson, you know what I mean? Pentatonic. A little bit of everything. Just a little bit of everything. Mariah Carey, oh, it was amazing. Mr. Bum, what do you think about that? I mean, I'm not against it. Not against it. But I'm I'm not there yet. Not there yet. Me, personally, personally I'm not there yet. Are you more of a mid-November kind of guy? I'm like, give me a couple weeks. Give me a couple weeks. I got you. Let me keep jamming to my rap playlist in the morning. Then... We'll get to Christmas. We'll Give get, me like two weeks. So you're saying like after Thanksgiving? Is that what you're uh, saying? We can get there before. Before Thanksgiving. I feel like okay, we should be listening go. to Christmas music during Thanksgiving dinner. I, I, I agree. Oh, like, I, I should like be that. chowing down on turkey. I like Christmas that. music. Let's go. I respect it. There we go. That's All I'm saying is if, if Christmas here in Michigan is different. We have a vibe that a not, like, not a lot of states have. Like Christmas in Florida is not right because there's no snow. Places where it, there's snow, like Michigan, Wisconsin, I Michigan, agree. wherever, it's the best. That's where it is. And Ryan, all I'm telling you, man, you better get your Christmas spirit up or else I you're am. getting coal in your I'll stocking, tell you, buddy. On Halloween, when it was snowing, got a hot tub, out in the hot tub, listening to the snow, and I was listening to Christmas music. Because snow is just so loud. Uh, that's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not listening to snow. Listening to Christmas music while it was snowing. It was nice. It was beautiful. That's really when we got well, started. Well, they are forecasting that this winter is supposed to be on the lower end of the uh, An El Nino winter? El Nino winter? I think I'm getting so, that right. Hopefully. So I'm hoping that they're wrong. I'm hoping that we get a ton of snow. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to yeah. lie to you. That's I know Zach loves snow days. Absolutely. <laughs> well, snow <laughs> days. <laughs> Snow in general, just the best. Anyway, so let's get started here with uh, with a little back a little backstory on this upcoming topic. On September 18th, which was almost two months ago, Michigan State University formally announced the firing of then head football coach Mel Tucker. Almost two months later, and I know everyone here isn't a dedicated MSU fan like myself. Tyler, Michigan, Ryan, obviously TCU, and Zach. Ohio State, I mean, big game this weekend. Uh, I don't, I don't really know. It's going to be a great game. It's a great weekend to watch. Michigan State. Winning is a, is very very. I don't I don't see how that's gonna happen. I it's kind of like fairy ES- princess dust. You know what I mean? Just off off in the distance. It's. it's I think really, on the really ESPN app it said like eighty seven percent win chance for. I'm not even gonna watch so. it probably. I'll oh, tune. Gonna be, I'll tune in from time in to time. The whole time, all of it, every single moment. I'm gonna I'm gonna be tuning in time to time from uh, Twitter, getting updates on how ridiculously awful my team is. But I mean, we did win last week. We beat Nebraska last week. So yeah, that's that, that offset. That offset with basketball though. Ben. <sighs> 
Ben. That's tomorrow's podcast, Zach. That's not us. Yeah, Congratulations. You guys beat an unranked team who's named the Cornhuskers. Michigan has beaten how many ranked teams? Huh? Yeah. How many ranked teams has we're, Michigan we're beaten be, this no, year? Listen, we'll get there. We're going to get, we'll get there. It's gonna, it, we're going to beat right. Penn State, and we're going to beat Ohio State. Okay, listen. It's no, gonna you're be, not. It's, it's, oh, Zach, you guys aren't beating us. The whole, no. the whole Michigan no, college football landscape is like a madness and badness combination. It's if Michigan really against me. the world. It's, it's crazy. Not, world. Michigan and Michigan State. It's just so much drama and action and news has happened realistically this year. It's incredible with, with what's going on. Anyways, so what I'm asking today is for all three of you guys to give me some potential candidates for the head coaching job at MSU that you think are number one, realistic, and number two, acceptable by the wide MSU base fan or MSU fan base as a whole, excuse me. Firstly, although I'll give you guys some current names that have been linked to the job. First off, Mike Elko. He's the current head coach at Duke University. One of the hardest places to build top program in all of football, uh, college football. Being in the ACC, notorious powerhouses are from the ACC, but uh, Mr. Elko, Coach Elko, has done a great job right now. He was a former defense coordinator at Texas A&M and Notre Dame, and he's known as one of those top guys who have succeeded everywhere he's gone. Next up is Sean Lewis, current offense coordinator at Colorado. Last year, guys, when Colorado went 1-11 uh, before Coach Prime went there, they scored an average of 15.4 points per game. Now they're up to 30.7. Of course, that has a lot to do with the talent that's there, but Sean Lewis has played an incredible role in that success. He's the former Kent State head football coach. He went 24-31 and there. Not really an impressive record at all, but when you consider it's Kent State that we're talking about, one of the worst college programs in all of college football is really, really acceptable. Finally, I know the name that a lot of Michigan State fans want to hear. Urban Meyer is another one. He's a current Fox analyst, <clears throat> former Florida uh, and Ohio State head coach. A lot of gated greets news surrounding his time at Florida and uh, even Ohio State, really. You know, um, at Ohio State and Florida, he had a combination of three national championships, and we don't even really need to go into his last job at Jacksonville for the Jaguars in the NFL. So, guys, all I'm asking right now, all I'm asking is for you each to give me one name. And I'm not saying just give me one name. I need a little bit of a description for it, right? A little bit of a reason why. But I'm, I don't want any ridiculous names like Jason Candle at Toledo or, or Dan Enos, former uh, uh, Arkansas staff member. I don't, want, I don't want any ridiculous names. All right, give me someone that you, if you were a Michigan State fan, you would rot realistically and you think will be acceptable by the wide MSU fan base as a whole. Can I start? Go ahead, T-Rat. Okay, okay, okay. Here we go. Um, listen, I mean, I'm, first of all, like you said, I'm a Michigan fan, so this is going to be very hard for me to spit out, but I get I'm going to say it. I get it. I got Urban Meyer as the next You coach. like Urban Meyer? Here's, I don't like him at all. I, I hate, agree. I hate Urban Meyer, okay. personally. Because he's a former Ohio State yes, coach. Yes, exactly, and he went 7-0 and against Michigan. And yeah. but his overall record is 187 wins to 32 losses. That's, that that's is crazy. insane. At Ohio State, he was 83 and nine. Florida, he was 65 and 15. And 15 of those losses were when he first got there, and Florida was terrible. They didn't have any good recruits. And then, like I said, seven and over versus Michigan, 10 division total college football championships. Two national championships at Florida, one at Ohio State. He has the third highest winning percentage in college football history for any coach. That is insane. Wow. And the fact that he is being talked about to be the next head coach at Michigan State scares the heck out of me and every single Michigan fan out there because oh, the last beautiful. thing we want is Urban Meyer back in the Big Ten or especially at schools like Michigan State at Ohio State because oh, they're rival schools. Oh, yeah. yeah, I'm as oh, yeah. an OSU fan, I'm I'm okay, as far as coaches, I think they're gonna bring on either Urban Meyer mm -hmm. or if that doesn't work out, they're gonna go with Lewis just because of the turnover rate. I like Sean Lewis. 
Um, I like Sean Lewis. That's one of my favorite guys. Again, as an OSU fan, it is absolutely terrifying because mm-hmm. that man will turn a program around in a couple years and just be ridiculously good out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. To be so, completely honest with I don't you, Zach, to be completely honest with you, you know, with, with the addition of other teams in the Big Ten, like UCLA, USC, Washington, Oregon, a bunch of a couple other names in that list, right? This is honestly the biggest decision, the most important decision in this program's history. I mean, if if you don't do it right here, like a lot of people have been saying, you fall behind. You become an Indiana. You become a Rutgers, a team who is completely irrelevant right now in the landscape of college football. You have a bunch of names. You got you got you got to pick the right guy. That's all I'm going to say. Ryan, do you have any do you have any I, I suggestions? Got, I got two. You got two. One going off what you just said about yep. the Pac-12 teams coming in. Here's a guy from a Pac-12 school, Jake Dickert, head coach, oh, Washington, Washington State. State. I like that. You know, like Washington that. State, they're staying behind with all mm-hmm. this realignment. They're not one of the teams joining either the Big 12 or Big 10. Yep. So Washington State, you might want to leave there. It's not a good spot to be in that pack four teams that they've got. Yeah, so. I mean, Jake Dickert's a great name. He's done a tremendous job at Washington State right now, uh, yep. previously ranked. Um Considered yeah, by many, yeah, definitely. Considered to be one of the many candidates by MSU fans that you know they want to see in MSU uh, uniform or a jersey on, not a jersey, but you know what I mean in terms Coaching of game day much. attire. Go, go ahead, T. Right, you were going to say something. Yeah, um, and this is another reason why, in my opinion, um, Michigan State should try to get Urban Meyer. Mm-hmm. It's because the two teams every year that they are trying to beat, yep, Michigan and Ohio State. Mm-hmm. If you get Urban Meyer, not only will it scare both of those programs because neither one of them want to play against Urban Meyer, and two, recruiting will go up dramatically. Immensely, Every player in the nation that is in high school that's got four or five stars out there is going to want to have an interest for playing for Michigan State if Urban Meyer goes there. I agree. I Absolutely. mean, well, yeah, go ahead. I just want to give this a uh, little quote here. So uh, I'm just going to credit my father for this quote here. Oh, no. Um, Oh, no. Uh, there's a guy at the gym that I go to, and his best friend is Tom Izzo, head basketball coach at Michigan State University. Hmm. And the guy that I talk to at the gym comes up. Oh. I, I was talking to him about this because I know he's got connections at Michigan State, and this was just brought up yep. the other day at the gym. And, mm-hmm. and he said that he was talking to Tom Izzo about this. Tom Izzo quote and said he thinks the next coach at Michigan State for football will be Urban Meyer. Wow. And it seems honestly like the most like reasonable pick because like I said, not only do you have the fear factor in both the like programs that they're going to want to beat no more than anybody else. You're looking at just like like you said, the recruiting. Like that's what they need. It's what they've been needing for a couple years now. It's what made eh. them fall off. Eh. I mean, Mel Tucker not a great person by any means whatsoever, but he did recruit pretty well. He did. He did his oh, job. He recruited right now, until he well. left. 100%, that's true. What you're really looking for right now, Zach, and I agree with a bunch of points that you made, but what you really need, the number one thing that you should be looking for in a new head coach is his ability or his ability to change this culture. Because Michigan State, for the past years, has been known as, well, I, I don't even know how to describe it, a really bad university with a lot of problems. Oh, it's, yeah, and we've seen yeah. a lot of problems, a lot of incidents pop 100%. up that nobody, that nobody at the university or in this state wants to see. Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Tyler. And I personally think if Michigan State messes this up, and whether they get the Kansas coach or Urban Meyer, if let's say they hire some bum from like a Mac school or something, 
and mm-hmm. they bring in somebody that no was no one was really expecting. Every single Michigan State football fan is going to want to go down to the athletic director's office and DDT him into the floor because they are going to be so upset because Michigan State, for the past, I don't know how long, just hasn't been where they need to be. I mean, they've had like a like when Kenneth Walker. They're not where they are they a decade to, ago. Yes, correct. They need to get back. Uh, where they were when they had Kirk Cousins and uh, Connor Cook when they when he was there. Those great teams that Michigan State had, they need Agreed. to get back on that scale where they once were. And when you guys were talking about that culture change, talking about a guy, my second guy that I was going to talk about, about culture, Lance Leipold, I what like he did at Kansas. Like Kansas went from 2-10, and ten, one of the worst teams in all of the Big 12 history in football, and now back-to-back winning records, back-to-back bowl seasons. He's now that guy. He changed the culture at Kansas. That guy. I like it. I like it. You know, a, a prominent name inside of Michigan high school football, Isaiah Marshall, quarterback right now for uh, Southfield a He's going to Kansas. Lance Leopold has done a, a tremendous job. I mean, he really should be studied, honestly, as one of, I don't want to say one of the best college football coaches of all time, obviously, because he doesn't have that pedigree right now. But Kansas has obviously been known as a Vanderbilt or on any other team that has been in an extremely tough conference that has never seen success. Kansas has always been labeled as a basketball school. Vanderbilt's always been labeled as a baseball school. Kansas has been notoriously at the other end of of you know memes and the laughing stock of the Big 100%, Twelve football. Hundred percent. The fact that Lance Leopold has been able to come in here and get prominent names like Jalen Daniels, right, and see these Jayhawks rock the chalk and go out there and produce week after week and change the landscape of Kansas football, it's really remarkable what he's been able to do. That's just my opinion, though. And MSU needs one of those coaches desperately. I agree. I agree. So now we've gone through uh, prominent guys that we really think can change the landscape of Michigan State football. Why don't we switch over to a little bit of NFL action? Let's talk about a little bit of the Lions here. The Lions are currently 6-2. and two. First in the NFC North, they have one of the best, if not the best, tight ends in this entire draft class. Sam Laporta, he currently has four touchdowns. He considered He's considered by many to be a candidate, a prime candidate for the Offensive Rookie of the Year award. Honestly, the Lions have done an incredible job this year. We all predicted they'd be high, right? But I want to ask you guys a question. We talked about Michigan State. Now I want to switch over to a little bit of Detroit Lions action. What Can you guys name one player? on this Lions team that is extremely underrated and has contributed to the success of Detroit I Lions just, football. I want to ask you a quick question about what you just said. Do you mean by, you said underrated by Detroit fans? Unrecognized or just like as in terms in of a terms whole. In terms of the entire NFL. The entire NFL. Okay. Unrecognized. All right. Mm-hmm. You want to go first, T-Rat? Yes, I will, actually. I'll let you go. Um, I'm going to go with Alex Anzalone. I am. Anzalone? Really? Yes, wow. I am. Because here's why. Uh, I mean, obviously in Detroit... He is, I mean, he's pretty recognized, but I mm-hmm. feel like he should be even more in Detroit. And then obviously I feel like in the entire NFL, nobody outside of the Lions really knows who Alex Anzalone is. The guy, he leads the team in 57 total tackles. He's second in sacks, right behind Hutch with three sacks. Yep. And he's also, uh, he has five tackles for a loss this season as well. Those very, are some, very impressive. That's very, those stats are pretty good. And I guarantee a lot of people that are even Lions fans and most people that aren't Lions fans that or just whether some other NFL team don't know those stats as well and have no idea who Alex Anzalone is. And in my opinion, Alex Anzalone is top five best or maybe even top three best defensive players on the Lions defense. 
And I, yeah. stats, I mean, that's stats don't lie, guys. That's why that's why I'm putting Anzalone. As I understand that. Anzalone's been a top prime linebacker for the Lions this year. <clears throat> um, he stepped up immensely on that Lions defense and really has been a reason why they've been a staple in the entire NFL for their defensive unit. Yeah, and I respect Anzalone too just because, I mean, Anzalone's been there ever since Campbell's first year. Yeah. And ever since Campbell's first year, there have been a lot of changes. People who have been uh, draft picks, trades, or whoever – and most of the guys that were on that first team had either been traded or replaced. Mm-hmm. Anzalone was a guy who, when we brought him in at first, was like, he'll be here for a year or two, and then we'll probably pick someone to replace him. No. Anzalone has stuck on the team. He's gotten better. He has he, He's still a starter on the roster, and I respect that mm-hmm. because he's gotten better, and obviously he's one of the best players on the Lions defense. I got you. Ryan, what do you think? Can you name me a player? Yeah, I mean, as a, sadly, a Packers fan. Oh. So, not the biggest Lions fan out there. I get that. But mm-hmm. I still like watching the games. Of course, they beat the Packers pretty badly. Yep. And, <laughs> and watching the games, one guy that I've been looking at is really as underrated, Khalif Raymond. Ooh, that's a big Wide name. Wide receiver for the Lions. I like that name. Kyle would like that name. Mr. Pretty would like that name. That's Kyle, a good name. He does like Khalif that's Raymond. What I like about him, both as a wide receiver and a kick and punt return. That's or a specifically huge punt returner. 100%. I mean, he's averaging over 10 yards per punt return, 15 for 156. I and know, in terms yeah. of their receiving yards, I mean, he's got 231 yards, mm-hmm. 10, excuse me, 23 catches. And one thing that you want to look at when you're talking about the underrated players is those weird, funny little stats, the advanced stats that you don't really see. One of them is being specific is the QBR rating when he is targeted. 123 Ooh. QBR really? when wow. he is targeted. He Holy doesn't crap. He gives he doesn't allow interceptions, although it's not really a wide receiver set, obviously. Mm-hmm. But he he's really good. I really like him. And when you think about Khalif Raymond, you know, you, you, you think wide receiver, obviously, you think punt returner, but he's not your average wide receiver. No, I he, mean this these this guy's legs aren't like fist sticks. No, they're he's they're huge, up. right? He's small. He's, I know he's very small, but he's built in terms of his size as as a wide receiver. It's it's really remarkable what he's done, the turnaround that he's helped with this Lions team. Yeah, and, and no no guy that really watches the Lions, just adding on to what you said, when they see Khalif Raymond walk onto the field, they really expects that he's going to be a big part of the Lions game plan yeah. on offense. He, I mean, he's he's under six foot. Mm-hmm. He's got this bucket helmet he comes running onto the field <laughs> on. Yeah. And before you know it, the guy's scoring touchdowns. It's like, where does it's this incredible. guy come from? He looks like an Oompa Loompa. I know, yeah. 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 I mean, with, with Ben Johnson's offensive unit, anything is really possible. What do you got, Zach? Give me a name. All right, give me Alim McNeil, defensive McNeil. tackle. I was going to say him. Alim I want to hear this. Yep. This is okay. great. He has – he okay, to compare, Aiden Hutchinson, absolute unit rookie. Great right? player. Or second, second year. year. One of the second year. Okay. Hutchinson has four and a half sacks, and McNeil has only played in six games and has four. So he's Impressive. he is – as far as somebody who doesn't play in every game – his stats are pretty good. He is very he's consistently also, averaging a couple tackles a game when he gets in. He's got one forced fumble, and he's got 16 total tackles, which isn't the best. Hutchinson's got 23, but again, when you're comparing a defensive tackle to an end, mm-hmm. that is he's really he's helping keep sort of like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Keep the pocket locked down, if you yeah, know what I mean. Absolutely. I get it. I get yeah. it. I agree. You know, um, one of the biggest questions for me personally, uh, not being a Lions fan, but seeing what the Lions have done this year, in the offseason, in, in, in the previous years as, as a whole concept. My biggest concern with the Lions this year was their run defense. Could they stop other prominent run offenses in this league from you know Seattle with Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet to other very powerful running teams? Would they be able to be big up front 
and and stop that offensive line push. And I thought there was no way, no way that they would ever be able to do that. Ali McNeil has stepped up immensely. He has helped that run defense be one of the top in the NFL. I think they're currently top five in in run defenses in terms of stats. Um, Ali McNeil has bulked up. He's gotten immensely better as a Lions defender, and it's really showed on, on game days. It's really, really impressive what he's done for this Lions defense. Mm-hmm. It, it, another thing, too, like you got to look at with McNeil, Hutchinson plays on the edge. Most of the rushes he's getting are one-on-one pass rushes with the offensive tackle. Mm-hmm. McNeil, who plays in the middle, isn't as fast, and he's getting double-teamed most of the times. Yep. Like last game that he had – he, the dude was getting double-teamed a lot, and he's still being quick. He's getting double-teamed, and he still had – what did he have, two sacks last game? Something like that, yeah. That's insane. And for a guy that's that big, that's that shows a lot about McNeil, in my I opinion. I agree. And just to point out the uh, rushing, like the defensive run stats, uh, the Lions are second in lowest rush top yards three, allowed. Two. Yeah, that's huge. Second for the Lions with going into the season having a questionable run defense – I am very happy with that. I agree. I would agree with that, Zach. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, very much unfortunately for me, we are coming up on the end of this time that we have here today for the very first episode of Sweet Seats in the third season. Of course, we will be back tomorrow on Friday, November 10th, 2023, for the second episode of Sweet Seats being hosted by my buddy Andrew Heitman, where he will be joined by various guests to discuss everything basketball from college open night to the NBA. Make sure to tune in in that. For Ben Shadle, Zach Hayes, Tyler Ratliff, and Ryan Bunn, so long, my dear friends.